Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This should be a national scandal, but it isn't. And that should tell you a lot about how this country works, about how power works, and about how ours is a democracy with very heavy caveats. This is about how our political and media establishment close ranks, about growing naked, unapologetic authoritarianism, and how those who are complicit in one of the great crimes of our age are, now Israel's mass slaughter of Gaza is transparently indefensible, except to the completely morally depraved, are trying to defend themselves from having that complicity challenged. Now, there's a few things going on here, so we need to just make sure we get the facts straight, what we know has happened and is happening. Now, firstly, yesterday was one of the few opposition days given to the Scottish National Party. So that's a day when they can set the legislative agenda. Now, they get three of those each parliamentary session, just three. Labour gets 17. So Labour have no shortage of opportunities to put their arguments forward. Now, this is a point made very eloquently by the SNP MP, John Nicholson. Now listen to something Orwellian today from David Lammy, the Shadow Foreign Secretary, that Sir Keir and he have always been in favour of a ceasefire. Well, we know that's not the case because we heard what they had to say. Labour has had multiple opportunities to debate this issue on their own opposition days over the last four months. If they were so passionate about the arguments they're putting forward today, why did they not propose them in one of their days? The problem is, Labour have spent most of the last few months backing Israel's mass slaughter of Gaza, up to and including Keir Starmer supporting Israel's right to cut off water and energy to a civilian population. That, in lay speak, is a war crime. Now, when predominantly Muslim Labour councillors quit the party, a Labour source briefed the party while shaking off the fleas. Left-wing MPs Annie MacDonald and Kate Osamore were purged from the parliamentary party, the first for supporting peaceful coexistence of Israelis and Palestinians, the second for describing Gaza as a genocide the day the world's highest court on earth put Israel on trial for alleged genocide. Now, the SNP took a different approach. Its leader, Hunza Yousaf, denounced Israel's collective punishment on the 10th of October and called for a ceasefire within days of this horror beginning. While Labour shielded the Conservatives as they unequivocally supported Israel's mass murder, the first poll on October 19th showed 58% of Britain supported an immediate ceasefire with 18% saying there probably should be one. Um, Just 3% said definitely not. The position of Labour and the Tories at the time and the exact same percentage as the number of Britons who think the earth is flat. Now, since then, public opposition to Israel's genocidal killing spree has increased and hardened. So when the SNP used one of its only opposition days to call for an immediate ceasefire and called out Israel for collective punishment, Labour was in a bit of a bind. Either you back it or you face a massive rebellion with potentially even resignations from the front bench. But Starmer's team briefed journalists they would not accept the charge of collective punishment against Israel, which, to date, has slaughtered over 36,000 Palestinians, over 14,000 of them children, severely damaged or destroyed 70% of the homes, destroyed the healthcare system, displaced almost the entire population, and besieged the essentials of life, like food and fresh water. So Labour instead introduced a mealy-mouthed amendment, which watered down immediate ceasefire to the more ambiguous immediate humanitarian ceasefire and stripped out collective punishment altogether. 
Now, parliamentary protocol meant that this shouldn't be called. This is one of the few SNP opposition days, not yet another chance for Labour to have its day. What happened next? Well, we know that Keir Starmer met with the Speaker before the vote. That is itself extremely irregular. It is not normal for dealings between the Speaker's office and political parties to be handled by party leaders. According to Labour sources who briefed BBC News now, night, the leader of the opposition blackmailed the Speaker of the House of Commons into violating parliamentary protocol in defiance of the clerk of the House. Specifically, the claim is that the Speaker was told that unless he did what Labour wanted, then the Speaker, himself a former Labour MP, would be removed from his position after the next election, which, given the Tory self-destruction, is in the bag for Labour. Do what we want you to do or we will destroy your career. That, my friends, is blackmail. Now, Starmer denies this, so let's hear from him. I can categorically tell you that I did not threaten the Speaker in any way whatsoever. Fake convincing there from a party leader who very famously is a man of his word. The Guardian further reports, those briefed on the meeting said the Labour leader warned Hoyle that Labour MP security was at risk. Many had been deluged by criticisms, threats and abuse since abstaining on a similar SNP motion in November. With hundreds of protesters congregating outside Parliament, they worried worse might be to come. So in addition to the previously reported alleged blackmail, Keir Starmer apparently claims that unless the Speaker did as Labour demanded, then he would be putting the actual lives of MPs at risk. Now, the Daily Mail reports one Labour source telling them that Starmer had told the Speaker he'd have blood on his hands unless he did what Labour wanted. Now, whether or not Starmer used that actual phrase, that is the summary of the argument. What else does it mean in practice? And why does it even make any sense in its own terms, you may ask? Quite reasonably, why would Labour succeed in stripping out collective punishment in flame passions? I mean, clearly, as we've seen, uh, or sorry, not stripping out even, not stripping out collective punishment. We've seen subverting the political process through blackmail and implied threats is more likely to cause anger, obviously. But this is now the publicly stated case. Let's listen to the Speaker of the House, Lindsay, Lizzie Hoyle, justifying his decision after he apologised to the Scottish National Party for what he described as his mistake. I never, ever want to go through a situation where I pick up a phone to find a friend of whatever side has been murdered by terrorists. I also don't want another attack on this house. I was in the chair on that day. I have seen, I have witnessed. I won't share the details. This is beyond shameless, cynical and offensive. Suggesting a terrorist attack could be made more likely, what, if he hadn't given in to Labour allegedly bullying him to avoid Starmer having a big backbench rebellion as well as defending Israel from the charge of collective punishment. It doesn't even make any sense. But it is an argument being echoed by multiple politicians and newspaper commentators. And I just want to say something first about client journalism. A lot of political journalists know that Labour government by the end of the year is completely nailed on. They know what not to say if they don't want to compromise that access. A lot of them, frankly, have worldviews which are, to say the least, very similar to those running the Labour Party. You will, I guarantee it, see a revolving door between some of these commentators and a Starman number 10. Mark my words, remember I said this because you will see it. But the absolute shamelessness of those spinning this outrage is something to behold. They know they would be exploding with rage if Boris Johnson had done this. I know it. They know it. So who they f Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's be clear about what's happening here. A lot of politicians voluntarily made themselves complicit in one of the great crimes of our age. That is Israel's mass slaughter. Because at this point, that slaughter is so self-evidently depraved, so unhinged, so indefensible, they know that they are exposed. So they're now trying to protect themselves from scrutiny and protect themselves from public pressure. MPs have every right to be concerned about their security. Two MPs have been murdered. One, Joe Cox, by a far-right extremist. The other, David Amos, by an Islamist extremist. What we are seeing here, however, is a cynical and frankly shameless attempt to conflate legitimate security concerns with questions of democratic scrutiny and public pressure. If they get their way, the right to protest, already under siege, and to build collective pressure on Parliament, pillars of our democracy, which our ancestors fought for at huge cost and huge sacrifice, will be criminalised and portrayed as dangerous incitement. And indeed, there is a very obvious racist undercurrent here, which some right-wing commentators, to be fair, are helpfully spelling out in primary colours. What they mean is that a significant number of those angry about the mass slaughter of Gaza are Muslim. That has something to do with the fact that tens of thousands of predominantly Muslims are being slaughtered with Western weapons and diplomatic and political support. So what they're trying to do is go, angry Muslims means dangerous Muslims. I just think personally, if you cheered on a military onslaught, which is butchering Muslims in huge numbers, you're not really in a position to denounce the dangerous, inherent, violent intent of others. But in any case, let's just expose the cynicism for what it is. Joe Cox was murdered by a far-right racist extremist, a terrorist. Do you ever hear politicians and commentators going, we need to tone down the debate about migrants and refugees because it might radicalise extremists like the terrorist who killed Joe Cox? You don't. You just don't. Instead, that hideous murder is inserted in debates which are completely and utterly irrelevant to what happened there. Like, for example, Gaza. And here's another point. In 2017, as an example, the far-right terrorist Darren Osborne ploughed his van into Muslim worshippers, killing one. And after being arrested, he stated his actual intention was to murder Jeremy Corbyn and Sadiq Khan. I bet few of you even remember this, because it's been memory-hold. Anyone remember that being used as evidence for what I mean is a calm-down rhetoric about left-wing politicians? Well, bad luck, because things only escalated after that particular incident. When Corbyn was punched in the head with an egg in 2019, far from a national, this shows we need to calm down about our rhetoric about the left debate, several commentators publicly made clear they actually found it extremely funny. The double standards are unbelievable. If I'm going there, after being targeted and threatened by far-right extremists in the streets over and over again, in 2019, I was beaten up by a far-right extremist who ended up jailed on the grounds it was politically motivated violence. Is that incident ever relevant in the discussion about political violence? You bet if I was a centrist or a 
right-wing commentator, and that was a leftist who'd done that, never hear the end of it. But of course it doesn't count, because I'm left-wing. Furthermore, one former Labour MP turned Telegraph columnist claimed threats were only coming from one side in the so-called debate about Gaza. Oh, really? Because personally, I've been inundated with often extremely detailed and colourful threats of violence and death from supporters of Israel's onslaught, including putting in quite graphic detail how they're going to murder me. Why isn't that relevant to this so-called discussion? Instead, they're trying to portray the hundreds of thousands who've taken to the streets against violence, against horrific violence, against mass slaughter. They're trying to portray them as the violent mob without any evidence because they want to protect themselves from scrutiny and public pressure. This is a return to 19th century debates against democracy when it was claimed democracy would unleash violent mob rule. This is a shameless and cynical episode which should open your eyes about power in Britain, about how also how so much of our media operates. And I'd also say this, we already should have known how authoritarian Starmer was because of what he's done to the Labour Party. Now look how he's behaving to democratic institutions before he's even in power. It does not bode well, does it? Which is why it requires more people who aren't afraid to tell the truth to do so without fear or favour. So let's get to work. Please like and subscribe. Uh, do share this video. Keep the show on the road at patreon.com forward slash ojoz84. Listen to us podcast. I'll speak to you soon. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.